I'm in a parking lot at like 3 a.m. Just completely confused about what happened. Um, I'm looking up through my windshield. I'm like, God, if you're real, <laughs> I, uh, I really need you right now. That's when I just felt the most incredible experience ever. Uh, clarity. It was like God spoke to me. He rushed, I mean, just rushed into my head, through my body. I felt this peace about everything, and it was just like, oh my God, God's real. God's real. Like, God is real. I don't know how to explain it other than the fact that I just got supernaturally rushed and filled with the Holy Spirit that I knew God was real at this point. He was speaking to me. Sometimes on this podcast, we get a chance to hear amazing stories of how God pulled a person from some of the darkest depths the world has to offer into extraordinary light and life. Today is one of those days. Welcome to A Stronger Faith, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to the presence, movement, and power of the living God in our world. I'm Stacy McCants, and I want you to know that we pray for you each week. We pray for your peace, and we pray that God speaks to you as He draws you into a deeper connection with Himself. If you have experienced transformation or a deepening of your faith through what you've heard in this podcast, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to contact at astrongerfaith.org or fill out a brief contact form on our website at astrongerfaith.org slash contact. Your stories of God's movement in your lives builds our faith, and we'd love to hear about it. Dan Kaufman found himself pulled into the deep darkness of drug addiction, human trafficking, crime, and witchcraft through demonic attachment as he began operating in circles of people that most average people don't even know exist. Today, he tells the incredible story of how God pulled him from extreme darkness and death into light and life. Please meet Dan Kaufman. Dan Kaufman, I've had a couple conversations with you. I feel like I've known you a long time now. We really, the truth of the matter is we've really only known each other for probably three weeks or so. But in that three weeks, it has been such a cool, condensed uh, time of just a couple of guys in several different conversations on the spiritual life. And you've revealed some things. Your route to where you are in faith right now yeah. might be considered the scenic route compared to some other people. And so I was like, man, I got to get you in here. And so you were like, hey, let's go. I, you know, I have no intention of glorifying where I've been, but but I am absolutely interested in glorifying the one who saved me. So, absolutely, Dan, how's it going, man? It's better now. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, thank you. This is so good. So, um, you come from a place of contrasting dark and light. In a pretty substantial way. I don't think that's unique to you, but 
I, I don't know if a lot of people, how many people, I think there are people that are going to absolutely, your story's going to resonate with them. Other people are going to, I think you're going to be able to expose a reality that a lot of Christians may not be familiar with. Sure. And so we, the purpose of this is to point people to the truth of the presence, movement, and existence of a very real God. And also, and I'm just going to be honest, is to grab by the neck, not because I'm powerful, but because He is, God is, the darkness, and expose it. And um, and so I, I want to do that today. So uh, I'm, I'm really ready. So I'm, I'm just going to like go right in. Do it. How did it... We talk about darkness and light. Yes. How did you get to dark? Ooh. Okay. All right. I like it. Um, man. Okay. So thinking back on my life, um, how I got to dark was incredibly slowly. But, um, wow, it's a good question. How did I get to immediate dark? Because there's kind of like this baseline of, drug addiction my whole life and then super dark but I mean the baseline I guess started with I was probably about 14 and I started stealing pain pills from my father he had a back injury you know um, and I just I had this addictive personality at a young age and um, I like taking pain pills and then you know went from that to stealing beers out of their fridge you know and just the teenage party stuff right but as as my life continued I found a balance between drug addiction and the professional world really scary well um, so that kind of led through it persisted through high school persisted through college you know I was always trying to find drugs on the side but still go to college and do things but I was failing a lot throughout my life, you know, falling short and I never made it through college. Um, I joined the military afterwards with kind of a drug addiction, but I was able to hide it with drugs that uh, couldn't get pulled on a normal drug panel, right? So there's always, I was always trying to maintain a drug addiction through all this. Um, through the military? Through the military, yeah. That seems tough. Is it not as tough as you think it would be? I was good at it already. Yeah. Right? Um, I was good at hiding it. Um, I wasn't on to the point to where I was shaken or having withdrawals, but life wasn't good without it. Life was just, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, right? Dropped out of college, joined the military because that was the easy route, got in the military, and it's just, um, life was just kind of not, not there without drugs. And so I was constantly just going back back to drugs and so yeah it was so it was drugs did you have a any background from a a, a faith perspective is a, where, where, where was god was there a was there a such thing as god in daniel's formative years no no uh we went to we did the religious god thing right um yeah. My family, we went to church every so often, especially, you know, around Christmas and stuff, just getting together. But the Holy Spirit was not in the household whatsoever. So that was the extent of it. Um, as life went on, I, I definitely um, had, God was not a part of any part of the picture. 
at all. So you didn't I, really have like a any sort of spiritual foundation none. that's like, if I wanted to get out of this, this might be an option for me. What do you mean? Like, in other words, and maybe you didn't, maybe you weren't to a place yet where it's like, I got I would like to not live this kind of life. Yes, I definitely, all throughout my life, I was like that, but God was not a, a viable yeah. option for me to turn to. Yeah. Um, we're just not taught that, Yeah, you know? I grew up make, using, you know, God as a curse word, you know? I grew up um, just absolutely on the opposite side, making fun of Christians. I had a lot of Christian friends in high school, college. I thought Christianity was ridiculous, you know, and... um they were just the people to make fun of. So that was my mentality all the way through um, up until about six years ago, and I'm 37 now. So I wonder if Christians appreciate that. The thought that um, everybody understands uh, the power and nature of God. Um, yeah, it's just not how it is, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of, that was you. It was like, no exposure to it. No. Um, that was actually a part of when I, when I got saved, I remember the moment I got saved and I know I'm jumping forward a little bit, but this is kind of relevant to it because I grew up with a drug addiction. I, I made fun of Christians. God was not a part of anything that was in like really injected into me or, or came across me as anything in my path. And so when I got saved in a really weird way, um, I look back at my life and I just go, what? Like, I've been living in a society. Like, when you know God is real, mm -hmm. and you absolutely just, you have him in you and you, you see the lens, of, you see the world through the lens of God for the first time. My reaction was, I was angry. And I was, you know, I want to curse right now. I was really angry at the <laughs> moment. I was like, I was screaming. I was like, this is ridiculous. I've grown up, I'm 30 something years old. And our society today has dismissed him so much to where I had to get in that situation just to find him. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So, yeah, it's like I missed him. Like yeah. I missed him. The greatest reality uh, there is, and I'm, I've missed it so far. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I've, I've spent time in that place too. So, but, you know, there's this time from sort of your 20s until, I, yeah, I don't know, 31, it sounds like, that you lived in a pretty dark spot. How dark did it get? <clears throat> um, I'll, def I'll define it in a few words, and then we can back up. Okay. Uh, I'm. The darkest moment was when I was actively into witchcraft uh, to massive degrees. I'm painting sheds for a successful business front for the cartel and what's going on in the back end is you know human trafficking methamphetamines and um just some pretty serious stuff with some pretty serious groups of people and that was just um yeah that was probably the deepest and darkest it got was just being involved in drug and human trafficking and crime and and just involved with people that when you when you kind of fall off the edge of society and you go into a dark place you fall into a group of people who kind of live on the, on the 
the underbelly of society who are like, well, don't worry, well, you know, you'll be a part of this family. And that family, there's a lot of things integrated into that family that are very satanic and dark, right? It's not just a bunch of people living in the underbelly of society who are just there, you know? There is demons involved and Satan involved and a lot of demonic teachings involved. And so that's where I ended up kind of at my work. How did you get there? Gradually or just like? From working for the NSA to to that? Yeah. Well, my brother was shot and killed by the police when I was, this was in 2011, right? I, um, I didn't have a rough, terribly rough upbringing. I love you, mom and dad, if you see this. Um, <laughs> they they struggled with alcohol, right? Yeah. Addictions in our family. Um, and so all of that, and just the depression of, you know, losing my brother, not having God. I was, God made me highly intelligent. And so I had a high propensity to just kind of think about the universe and get into this new age stuff. And, you know, you get into that God mentality thinking with all this intelligence, um, just kind of, it all just kind of came to a head to where I was, I was so bad with my drug addiction. I was shooting heroin in the bathroom of government facilities while I'm maintaining a TSSCI top secret clearance for the government working as a contractor. You know, so I had this double life wow. of drugs. And then I put on a face and go out there and, and handle, you know, the highly technical world of the government and these jobs. And it was just one of them was going to give eventually, right? And I gave in to the darkness. And in that darkness and in that path, I ran into some, I got suicidal. You know, you just, I stopped caring about life and I just ended up meeting people on that path who kind of just take you down to a, to a whole nother world. So, so just being in that world exposed you to people who are in darker places. For sure. You yeah, get, you're I mean, looking for drugs. You're going to meet people who are eventually involved in the drug cartel, right? Uh, you're on drugs and you're looking for sex, you're eventually going to meet, come across human trafficking, right? And so there is that moment when you get, just meet these people more and more um, that you get involved, you get drugged into their world. And um, I think witchcraft was that interjection point to where I got introduced to that unknowingly. And then something got attached to me and I just got drugged further into that world. All right, so we got to go there. Okay. Okay. I, I I don't know how many people that will watch this understand what you're talking about sure. truly when we're talking about witchcraft. Okay. Describe it. Hey, and and, and look, we, we've talked about this. Okay. Me and you've talked about it. I've talked about it separately from you. I think you have. Um, sort of wrestled with this in in ways because you are very conscious of not glorifying anything sure. around that, and 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 so we are not going to do that. But I do want to expose it. I do too. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. with that, go on the car right over here. I was I was just thinking about that. You've mentioned it several times. It's like just glorifying God in this, but we do need to expose the darkness because there are people. From where, you know, I'm back out of that now. Jesus walked me out of that. But there are still people who are my friends down there. 
yeah. who have not received freedom from it. And um, <sighs> leaving those kind of leaving those people behind and knowing that they're still in that is one of the is um, terrorizing to me mm-hmm. because I, I. All right, so let's go to witchcraft, and we'll kind of talk about yeah, that. Yeah, okay, go. That's good. <clears throat> so when you're not spiritual, and you're you know, let's say we're up in. We won't get local, but I'll say Montana, right? I get to Montana. I meet some people in my, you know, kind of, I'm working a little bit, but I'm also just kind of more on the drug addiction stage, just meeting people. I get dragged to this man's house. So are you working for the government when you go to Montana? I'm in between contracts currently. Never been to jail, clean record, squeaky clean. Uh, Still have never been to jail, but I get to Montana, I get involved with these people and I'm just kind of like, okay, well, you know, this is good. I'm in between contracts. I'm, I'm living life. Let's go meet some people. And so I get further into drugs. Get pulled around town. Um, I get taken over to this guy's house um, with my friend. And we're just in there doing drugs, you know, methamphetamines. And he's just got something in his eyes, you know, really wide eyes. And I didn't know what demons were at the time. Still not spiritual. Still... I'm innocent, right? Like from a spiritual standpoint, I'm still innocent. I still look at the world through just my fleshly eyes. I, you know, I haven't done anything uh, from the witchcraft side of what God would call it yet. You're just doing drugs and having fun. Yeah, doing drugs and having fun. There you go. Yeah. I end up at this guy's house and some crazy stuff happens when when I'm high. And all of a sudden my friend goes to sleep out of nowhere. Um, and this guy starts talking to me about like my past things that I didn't even know anybody knew. Right. And he's just kind of talking in this esoteric way. And I start engaging in conversation. I'm, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. Right. And, um, and I just start talking to him and he said, you know, Dan, he's playing on my intelligence at this point. And he says, you know, Dan, you're one, you're a once in a blue moon kind of guy. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, still don't know what that means. But he went into the back room. And he says, I'll be right back. And he went into the back room of his house. He's talking with his wife. And I hear his wife say, please don't. Please don't. Please don't. And that's all I hear. And he comes back out down the hallway. And he goes, would you would you want to um, do something with me? And I, I asked him, you know, like, what are we doing? And he goes, just repeat after me. And he goes, hold out your hand. I held out my hand and he put something in my hand. He said, close it, don't look at it. And I closed my hand and I just closed my eyes and I repeated after him. I don't remember what I said. All I remember is something like a dark, warm feeling crawling up my arm into my chest as I'm repeating these things. And I just opened my eyes and when I, when I breathed out, this black cloud of smoke came out my mouth. It was, it was like a supernatural cloud of smoke. First time I've ever seen it. No idea. Um, and and then we started to have a conversation. And it was, I don't remember all the details of the conversation, but it was just like supernatural eyes had entered me, right? Like I had no idea at the time that he was attaching something to me, right? Now further in my walk, I realized that I was being what do you call it, indoctrinated into some sort of system, right? Mm. Um, He put something in my hand 
And afterwards I looked at it and it was actually um, a rosary bead with a cross on it. And I don't, I think that was just a, potentially a vessel that was used for whatever he was doing to me. But I, I looked at it and I was like, okay, I don't know what this is. I think this is Catholic or what they use, but no idea. And so from that point forward, we have a conversation. It gets kind of creepy. My friend wakes back up, right? And I just remember feeling like I'm in this different world. Something has changed. I don't know what. And that's it. And then the downhill roller coaster starts from there, essentially. So, all right. Let me ask a couple of questions about that. Yeah. Is it possible that some substance or drug was on the thing that you grabbed and it got in your bloodstream and worked its way up and, and made you feel that way? No. I don't um, know how that works. I'm, I'm, I, 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 like to add, I like to look at possibilities sure, sure. other than that, right? I mean, if there's a drug out there that can make you blow a black cloud of smoke out of your mouth. <laughs> we haven't heard of that one yet. Yeah. Yeah. Man, so you weren't just so messed up that you hallucinated this black cloud of smoke. You feel like you had enough experience that if I blew a black cloud of smoke, so, I'll know it. I was definitely on drugs. Yeah. That's fair enough to say, right? But mm -hmm. even after I sobered up and left that place, this, these things were happening to me nonstop. It was, it didn't matter if I was high or sober at the point, something was happening and I was, things were following me around after that point, right? Yeah. Like Reality what? was shifting massively at that point. Really? Yeah. How, how so? Oh, man. Um, so the teachings didn't start right away. I think a lot of external manifestations were happening, weird, just conversations. Um, I ended up at a bar, maybe a few days or a week later. I ended up at a bar. At this point, I'm just kind of depressed. Um, I think it was Halloween. It was Halloween night. Mm. I'm at a bar. And I'm at the end of my rope. I'm kind of depressed just suicidal i've really just lost life there's nothing to look forward to you know except for drugs and i just remember um these mexicans walking into the bar with a line of women and they were selling them they go down the road literally walk to the hotel across the street and the, you know um they were selling them. And I just remember looking at them and going, how sad. You know, this is open in public. We're in an open public bar and women are being trafficked open in front of me. And um, nobody's doing anything about it. Everybody's kind of celebrating it. And that was, uh, that was when I just, I decided I wanted to die. And so... I I made the decision that either I was going to kill one of them that night or I was going to die, you know, kind of like a martyrdom situation, nothing left to lose. All I wanted to do is if my life meant anything at that point was to bring attention to something like that. And I was good with it. I was out. That's it. I wasn't trying to be a hero. I wasn't trying to do anything other than just, you know, make an impact before I was on my way out. Um, so I go to meet these guys at the bar. I walk up to them and I try to enter you know, interject myself, not 
forcefully or confront them. I actually tried to become their friend. You know, I was going to get in and just being stupid, trying to get in there and befriend them and see what I can do about, you know, anything. And, and I just remember having a conversation with them and actually the, the lead guy was standing at the end of the bar and one of them called me a, a bad name and joking and they all started laughing. But right after that, um, he started, he started wobbling for no reason. And he just, he would, he lost coherence. He, he total vertigo and nobody knew it would happen. Um, so we're, we're kind of, he's making so much commotion. We have to escort him out of the bar and we're out in the parking lot, just wondering what's going on with this guy. And his friend, the other, one of the other Mexicans was there and he just kind of chin checked him just to like get him to stop freaking out. And he fell backwards and his head hit the pavement and the back of his head exploded and he died. He convulsed and died right there in front of me. And I just remember standing over his body and his brother, the other one of the other Mexicans was standing over his body too. And I just felt this peace wash over me for some reason. And I turned around and somebody said, you better look, um, you better look to the sky. You better look up. Um, and he walked away. And I just, at that point, I was like, what is happening right now? Um, what's happening, really? Like something interjected, someone interjected. I had no idea at the point, you know, to what degree, but I was getting ready to die and all of a sudden this guy's dead in front of me. Um, and then we go back in the bar and we're all just kind of silently wondering what just happened. And then this girl gets brought to me. Um, oh, I shouldn't say brought to me, but she gets, I meet this girl who gets brought into the bar and she was actually being brought there to be introduced to the Mexicans. But we, I ended up talking with her and I'm not going to name names, um, but we end up talking and she starts freaking out. She goes, I was supposed to meet these people. We got to go like, this is bad. Um, and it seems like she's under some sort of spiritual spell too, or witchcraft. Like she's, it's weird, but she just seems like she came from a place where she was involved with the same place where that crawled up my arm. You could just kind of feel and sense it. Like she was being indoctrinated into something and I was there and I met her. Um, so we get in my car and we're both freaking out. Like what's going on? <laughs> and we're like, let's just drive. So we get in the car and we drive and she calls her dad um, a couple, couple hours away in another town. And he, he says, go to this safe house. Um, so we get her over to this safe house to where her and her family can deal with whatever situation. And I'm literally just waiting in this town. And this is where I get saved. Um, it's three in the morning. Shortly after this, I think the next day or a couple of days after, while she's at the safe house, I'm in a parking lot at like 3 a.m. Just completely confused about what happened. Um, I'm looking up through my windshield. And I'm like, God, if you're real, <laughs> I uh, I really need you right now. And 
that's when I just felt the most incredible experience ever. Um, clarity. It was like God spoke to me. He rushed, I mean, he just rushed into my head, through my body. I felt this peace about everything. And it was just like, oh my God, God's real. God's real. Like God is real. I don't know how to explain it other than the fact that I just got supernaturally rushed and filled with the Holy Spirit that I knew God was real at this point and he was speaking to me. Um, so that's the moment up to salvation. A lot of crazy witchcraft stuff, a guy dying. Now this girl's in the safe house and I'm in a parking lot getting saved at three in the morning. All right, I think there's a lot in there, man. All right? <laughs> sure. So I, I, I got I to gotta dig a little bit. Witchcraft. Now Is we, it just a, a cleaned up word for being inhabited by demons? I mean, what, what took place? <clears throat> what, what, what's the what's going on? Is there are there like meetings? Are you doing meeting happens in your head? Um, so yeah, after that point. When, so this is hard to explain, but even after I got saved and I knew God was real, I didn't immediately like turn to Jesus, start reading my Bible, and walk. I still had something attached to me from previously. So even though I believe God was with me, I had my head turned towards what was teaching me. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, fallen angels, when they fell, they fell with knowledge, right? Mm hmm Sure. You, you see the... You see a lot of it in this world, all the way through the Iron Furnace of Egypt to um, various other belief systems, right? All these different belief systems have um, fallen angels and, you know, different teachings of, of um, false belief systems. And so when I'm going through these teachings, it doesn't happen in a meeting. It doesn't happen, like I'm not going to a physical place and meeting with a bunch of people and learning stuff. It happens in your head, usually at night, and it happened with a notebook. Um, so I would just kind of sit there, and I was interested. I was, you know, it played on my intelligence. It played on, you know, welcome to the family, you know, like this is your family. You know, if you can't fit into society, this is, you know, we've got you. Hmm. and um, supernatural teachings would happen at night. You'd be laying there, and you'd see things happen in the corner of your room. I'd see, you know, 11-foot shadows essentially hunched over in the corner of my room and walking, and at the same time I'm seeing this stuff, I'm getting, I'm receiving this intelligence. You know, it's not mine. Really? Yeah. So mine. this isn't just bad trips? <laughs> No. Drugs gone, you know, doing their thing, <clears throat> hallucinations. Nope. I mean, you, you you know what those are like. Sure. And you're, I, I would assume, I mean, you had enough experience there that you recognize what that is and then that this is something different than that. Yeah. Um, so you saw physical, visible manifestations yes. of 11-foot, dark. Super sober at this point. Um I had a sobriety period, and I'm still going through this stuff. Um, many sobriety periods after this. 
<clears throat> and I'm still going through this stuff. Um, yeah, it was a lot of sitting there and writing in a notebook. Right, you know, probably over 300 pages, multiple notebooks of just stuff that's being downloaded to you. Yeah, intelligence is not mine, and you could tell it's witchcraft because in the middle of this, I'm drawing symbols, and you go back out, and you're like, I've seen that symbol before. Mm. I've seen that symbol before. Oh my god, I've seen that symbol before, and it's I was taught things that nobody should ever know because as I'm as I'm being taught these things and I'm writing them down in the notebook, you start to get attached to the intelligence. Intelligence, You start to get attached to all this stuff. And when you look back, it's like, where did my innocence go? Where did my love go? I have no, I have no love for life anymore. I have an attachment to this intelligence and knowledge. And when you, when you get attached to that and you start using it, Right, that knowledge is actually formulas for you know different things that you can do in witchcraft, and that's as far as I'm going to go into you know. Yeah, like displays of power, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's cool. We don't have to get too deep into any of that stuff. And um, it, it, but though there may be displays, manifestations of power. that's documented. That's documented in scripture and and and, and others other places. Yeah. I, I, previous episode a, a few ago um, had a guy who has been a missionary in West Africa, mm-hmm. and so you know I, I was like, okay, so people are scared that the witch doctor is going to cause them to drop dead. Mm-hmm. So, and my question was, is that just a fear or is that actually does that actually happen he's like no people actually dropped it because of things that, that so there's power mm-hmm. associated with it but yes what's it missing it's devoid of love though right it's devoid of hope i mean I, I would think in my mind it's like okay there's a there's a probably an appeal from from a power and a connection standpoint or sure. else people wouldn't subscribe to it. There has to be a, a temptation there. Yeah. But but then there's got to be a truth about it that that you've woken up to, that you wake up to, and it's like, I don't want that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was my, my repentance point, right? That was my turning point. I looked at the notebook, and I was— there comes a point when you get to know so much— in your you know tiny little human brain, I was just like nobody should ever have this. Nobody should ever have access to this knowledge, yeah. this information. It's dangerous. At some point, on your trek of writing down this knowledge and information, you look at the world and the media and everything is going on, and you see how people are being manipulated with this stuff. And that's when I looked at it and I said, God. I don't believe that this is what you had planned for me. I don't feel love. I don't have love. I have all this knowledge, but no tree of life, right? Mm-hmm. No tree of life. And so I took the notebook and I walked out behind a, a hotel that I was staying in. And I just, I hucked it in a dumpster. I should have lit it on fire, but I just got rid of it. And I was like, I don't ever want to turn to those teachings and knowledge. 
or any of that information anymore. Um, it's just, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And so I threw it away. Um, but the teaching still remained in here. The presence didn't leave. Present now. The yeah. attachments were still incredibly strong. So even though I was done physically writing that stuff out, I knew living every day after that point was going to be a cognitive decision to get out of, to go back towards love, towards innocent, towards what Jesus tells us. You know, he wants children who are innocent coming to the kingdom of heaven, right? I was, if I had showed up at that point, I would have had a lot, would, nothing. Yeah, I wouldn't have been what he described there. And so I knew there's a lot of work that had to be done. And I still stumbled out of that. I still had a lot of addictions at that point. I was attached to this knowledge. I was attached to demons. A lot of open doorways following me throughout my everyday life. And the walk was hard. But it's it's doable. And Jesus was there every... I mean, he was there every step of the way. And it was just a moment of... Um, it was a matter of choosing to wake up, turn towards him. I remember I got a Bible. I ordered it online. Funny part is I, I started opening Bibles like in my hotel room. Right. And I started reading it and I was like, this is, it made perfect sense to me. So much perfect sense that it was creepy because I started reading the stuff about witchcraft. And when you read that and you realize how much God harped on it, he was talking about me and all the people of this world and all the pagans and everybody involved in all this stuff. And it just, I remember saying, I don't want to be one of them. I want my love and my innocence back. I started the climb. I, I hear this from Christian ears. And it's awesome. And I want to get into more detail of really what your turn was like, how God broke in, maybe how you sit back and view all of it <clears throat> now. But I'm also, there's there's something in me that's saying, how is an atheist listening to this? What is somebody, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm sitting here thinking, if I'm an atheist, I don't believe there is a God. I don't believe there is a devil. Sure. Or I don't believe there are demons. You know, that's, that's foolishness, that's silliness, that's superstition. That, yeah. You know, get real kind of stuff. I wonder what they're thinking when they hear you talk about the things you experienced. I mean, how would you, what would you say to somebody that says, dude, you just got some bad drugs. There was no 11 foot deal dude in the corner. There's, you didn't breathe black smoke because of some demon that entered you. Sure. What, what was that really? You know, how do you, how would you respond to the skeptic that there's any sort of spiritual life in the first place? I would respond with, I have had those doubts in my mind too, right? You get high, you see things. Um, I would say that that's a valid question to ask 100%. But then what about the times when I was, you know, sober and I was still going through this? And I would like to, as as I continued in my walk, you realize that 
drugs can be a hallucination. They can bring falsivities, right? You can trip and see things. But drugs in the spiritual world are also used as a catalyst um, for evil. It's a false anointing. Um, I think if you look at Hitler, he was big into methamphetamines. I think we all know he was very evil. He did a lot of evil things, and it was very small operation, but very powerful, and he murdered a lot of people, a lot of God's people, right? Um, so I'd say that drugs are a massive catalyst in the underworld for false anointings and witchcraft, mm. um, which I learned later on in my walk. Um, so that's it. I don't want to go too deep into that um, or any deeper, but that's how I respond. Yeah. Debate what you want to, but you're going to have a hard time debating my experience. And I've experienced sure. hallucinations from drugs is what you're saying. Yeah. And this wasn't that. In fact, this continued after and many times when I had was... No, it's not on drugs. Yeah. I saw what I saw. Uh, that's the thing. We we can atheists can debate, um, you know, origins of life and evolution and you know the evolution of spirituality. But man, when you start talking about things, yeah. somebody experienced nine years ago in Montana <laughs> or last week in Oregon or or that sort of thing that are real uh it, it just gets into shakier yeah. footing for the atheist I guess I was one of them right yeah so I was yeah that's another argument for you I guess I was you I pray that they never have to go or discover that God is real through the path that I did yeah so I wish there was a perfect answer for that, but um, yeah, I would just say listen to my experience, man, because keep when we keep going down that path, there's only one place it can end, and it's not. Our pride can get in the way, our intelligence can get in the way, and we can think that we know everything about the universe, but when you meet God, it's the complete opposite. So talk about meeting God. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, were you, it sounded like you said, you know, you'd mentioned human trafficking a couple of times yeah. that you may have even, when you were in some dark places, participated. Was it just in this thing that happened in this bar or did you have other ways? Huh? It was ongoing. Ongoing? Yeah. Because human trafficking, there's a really strong effort in, in our culture now to expose it and yeah. um, it is... Um, uh, uh, just awful cancer in our society yeah. that has been covered for a long, long time. Sure. Misunderstood. Yeah. yeah. To even, as somebody who's not spiritual, to look at the lens of the underworld or what I've been through and then look at it, you're not even going to see it. You're not going to see the spiritual aspect. You're not going to see the demons. You're not going to see the attachments. You're not going to see me in that guy's house getting something attached to me and going through this and getting, you know, uh, essentially indoctrinated into a world I had no idea. I wasn't innocent, but I was innocent. You know, like when it comes to me just being a guy looking for a good time to a guy who has just complete, it wasn't even fair. 
you know, I got pulled into some guy's house and something got attached to me. The world of human trafficking, people aren't just, on one hand, some people are just taken from the street, right? Like kids are snatched. I'm not going to say that doesn't happen. Yeah. But their human trafficking varies on so many levels that people don't even realize the lengths and extent to which evil goes to attach itself to you, to prep you and get you prepared for this world and indoctrinate you, get you associated, socialized with people, right? And then involved in that stuff. And while you're involved in that stuff, people get dragged around to some pretty nasty underground places, you know, into sexual witchcraft, sexual... um, it's slavery because you got stuff attached to you. You have no chance in hell fighting against, right? If you don't belong to the family of God, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you got no fighting chance against this stuff. And so this is what's happening. This is, I believe, what happened to me um, and the girl I was with. I think you just get involved with these people so much that they realize you got nothing to lose, right? You want to, you're, you're just on the brink of life anyways, so they offer you an option in a family, right? They just kind of snatch you up. And so human trafficking happens on levels where children come from broken homes. Maybe they're out on the street. A pretty girl's out on the street. Nobody's going to miss her, right? Um, so it goes to the levels of evil just searching and looking for people to indoctrinate and, and taking advantage of you in many different ways. And so I ended up in many hotel rooms after my experience during these teachings being indoctrinated into sexual witchcraft, um, which is the act of sex, um, while also learning um, different teachings that that come with that. Best way I can describe, yeah. Um, so it went from just Montana to being on the road and I get introduced into this family um, and everybody I'm around after that point is just involved deeper into what I was trying to fight like those Mexicans who the one who died in front of me I'm now deeper <laughs> than when I started involved with these people and I couldn't get away from them um no matter where I went, I was being introduced to people in, in this um, the underbelly of society who all seemed to be connected to this evil in a way. And a lot of it ended up with me just being in hotel rooms um, and learning this stuff. And it just, you end up, you have an identity and personality beforehand, right? Just Dan, no witchcraft Dan, no spirituality Dan. Still lost, but when you end up in that world, your identity and who you are and your innocence take a back seat and just start to diminish. And this other identity in this satanic world starts to form and things start to be okay. Things start to seem to be okay that never once were before. Yeah. And you just end up like, where the hell am I? <laughs> right? And so, yeah, it just gets deeper and deeper until you're painting sheds for a successful business front for the cartel, right? And you're involved with Nazi motorcycle clubs, right? Um, 
something happened in you that night that turned you from in that place deeper and deeper to looking at those guys bringing in those girls and cause you to say that is sad that is not I'm I may go out tonight taking a stand sounds like how you described yeah where you got what happened did you did, did God just open your eyes did, did did something was there something tugging at you this whole time the whole time the whole time 100 percent yeah remember that moment in the parking lot before all the massive down downhill slope happened um God was with me and yes absolutely um I didn't know who Jesus was I didn't have a massive relationship with him I didn't know the Bible well you know I didn't know the word of God well but while I'm in these situations even involved with these people involved with witchcraft something in the back of my mind is just saying this is wrong this this is wrong like where did I go where did society go like I can't even walk out in public and have a normal conversation with anybody because I'm so involved in this underground society I don't even know how to have a normal conversation about reality or the world anymore Hmm. and I know that sounds weird but um yeah it doesn't sound weird I I I I can see I can see how that can happen it's it's far from where people are right now but if anybody thinks they are immune to that place I, I would say that's you have no that's fighting a foolish thought you have no fighting chance without without yeah. God and he was with me so he asked the question like where was God in all of this God was there when I threw the notebook away in the dumpster God was there before that with me in the parking lot God was with me my entire life right but my relationship with God started when I decided to love him to love love to want love and innocence back to want the very thing back that I had he was trying to protect me from right and so he I it's hard to explain but I just made the choice to read his word um I drove away from that one night in my car I just I said enough like I've got to get out of here I'm not going to be able to um live a life with these people so I got in my car and I drove and I ended up at my sister's house on her floor and I just remember I had I ordered a bible at that point um because I knew God was real if all this other stuff and all these symbols and everything I saw was real and it was associated with evil and there must Christ must be real there must be something on the other side of that right right yeah he wouldn't we wouldn't be warned of all this stuff so when you're in it and you're exposed and you order, the, I ordered the Bible and it got to my house the next day. Like I ordered it online and it got to my house the next day. I was like, that was fast. I just started reading um, and God was in it everywhere. That night, um, three o'clock in the morning in that parking lot, what happened inside of you? to recognize the reality of God that night? What, what, ha- what occurred? 
Did you hear something? Did you see something? Was it just a no. washing of the Holy Spirit? Was it just like an overtaking? What, what happened? Comfort, peace, and joy. Like, even, like, you know, the guy who just died. I'm going through all this weird, dark spiritual stuff and happenings. And I it felt like something cracked open in my soul. <laughs> just pure darkness and fear and just like the need for God. And I just cried out to him, and it was just like rush, right? Just a rush inside of me. And there was no voice. It was just love and peace. And what joy. did you say? I mean, what did you say when you say you cried out to God? I mean, you, you, you get there, I guess, and you're in a parking lot, you park, you put the thing in park, and you're like, you, you're walking up to the edge of this thing or whatever else it is. What yeah, did you, do you remember what you said? In which part? To God. I mean, did you say, save me? Did you say... No. Nah. Did you say, I don't know if you're real, but if you are... Yeah, that's it. Got to That's it. It was just a matter of turning my, my heart towards God and being asking Him, God, I really need you right now. If you are real, because I'm going through this dark stuff, I noticed that there is spiritual darkness around me, but I've never met God or have it happening with Him. So if that's happening... And I don't want to have anything to do with it. Then I just ended up in my car. And I'm like, if that's real, then you must be real, period. And so I was like, please answer me, talk to me if you're real. And it was that moment when it was just the breakthrough. So you not only had the intellectual realization, if there is this level of darkness, sure. there must be a counter level of light. 100 and 100%. so there's an awakening, an intellectual awakening that takes place there. It's like, whoa. Yeah. But what you're saying is it went beyond that. Yeah. You had that and then a sort of an onrushing of peace. Yes. Yes. For, I mean, I was on fire. I was like, God's real. God's real, you know? <laughs> um, and then it was like, God's real? Oh, my God. God's real. And then, um, yeah, but it, at that point, I still don't think I knew it was Jesus. Yeah, there's the thing. Right? Yeah, you got to deal with Jesus. The light, the love, and the joy rushed into me, but, you know, he didn't show up and say, I'm, you know, I'm Jesus. It was just like God, I knew God was with me through all this darkness. And um, after that point, Okay, so there's a little bunch of nuances. One of them was after that point, my verbiage changed. I started speaking differently. Um, what do you mean? After, so I'd be in conversations and things would just come out. And it was like, um, it was the Holy Spirit and it was scripture, but I didn't know I was speaking scripture until I popped open a Bible like years later and started reading. And I was like, this is what has been coming out of my mouth during this whole dark period. And so that's crazy cool, though. Think about yeah. that for a second, because you just got through talking about this download of teachings of evil that you wrote in 300 pages of this notebook, these yeah. things that you came to know that no person should know okay. that is pour, being, has been poured into you, discard this thing, reach out to God, and, and now these other things are coming out of your mouth, apparently, 
that you <clears throat> yeah that you don't have a a background for yeah. that you discover over time are actually teachings in scripture yeah is that right one of the major ones a lot of scripture came out but one of the major ones that came through on my walk through the darkness after that moment in the parking lot mm -hmm. was forgive them for they do not know and i just kept repeating that over and over because um i think that's what i saw a lot of what's happening you know in that darkness is just people being taken advantage of i don't know yeah and um even the other people taking advantage of other people, um, I didn't hate them. You just start to see why when people get wrapped up in evil and they do bad things to other people, when they're attached to things and they have no idea what's even going on in that spiritual side, Jesus, I just felt him um, say, forgive them for they do not know, you know? Even the people taking advantage of others needed love. And I saw how to truly love my enemy. And, you know, I didn't like what was going on down there. But um, I did learn how to look at people um, from the lens of love, even in that dark place, and forgive them. And so, yeah. So, no prayer uh sinner's prayer no uh you know baptism no it was just nah. you yeah just god me. yep asking getting and <laughs> and a slow walk out <laughs> and a slow walk out but a walk out yeah. i mean you know you think about god and we all have this tend to have and i don't know if it's just seeds the enemy has sown over centuries where our we choose a perception of God that is judgmental. Um, and we, we talked about this in a group the other night that uh, you know even Adam and Eve, you know their their response, to their sin was to hide from God. They had shame. They 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 were fearful that He yeah. was, you know. Yeah. And when He walked through the garden, He was looking for them as a loving Father. Um, yeah. So when you talk about a slow walk out, I think we think of God as a often as a judgmental or condemning God that uh, expects you to get to a certain place to please Him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when the truth of the matter and what it sounds like happened with you was he just got in the dark place with you. Yeah. Began yeah. to spoon feed you a little bit of life. Perfect way to say it. You know, and then said, all right, I'm going to put the blanket on you now and I'm going to take your hand and I just want you to, all I want you to do is stand up. Yeah. And you stand up. I'm going to put my arm around you. We're just going to start walking. Yep. You're not walking by yourself. I'm right here, so it's okay. And and so we're going to start walking. It's still going to be dark. Yep. Still going to be scary. Yep. But I'm just not leaving you. I got you. I'm. And when we miss that in Scripture, it's we're, we're really doing damage to the gospel. That is a big part For of the sure. gospel. You know, you think about even Jesus when he talked about the prodigal, the parable, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. 
the guy didn't get his life right. Yeah. He just started walking to the father, and the father raced the rest of the way and said, I got you. Come on, man. Here, here's, here's your ring. Yeah. I, got, I'm, I got the jacket. We're, we're, we're going to cook for you. We're going to throw a party for you. Yeah. It, it wasn't because he had, he had all of a sudden lived a righteous life. He just turned and went back to the father. And that's the truth of the nature of God that I think a lot of Christians miss is we want to hide in our shame. We want to say we're not worthy of anything. God is judging us. We deserve judgment. Mm-hmm. And, and it's beautiful to hear you say it was a long, slow walk out. But he was there the whole way, and he he walked you out. Mm-hmm. What did the walk out look like? A lot of falling, a lot of anger, a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration. Um, man, the walk out is a the walk out is a long story, but I'm trying to summarize. It was. I had to shed a lot of parts about myself because when you identify with all of that knowledge, that was the hardest part for me to shed. That was the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? That was me becoming the antichrist, right? Antichrist spirits thinking that you can become God with all this stuff, all this knowledge. So the walk out was me relearning who God, learning who God was from a loving, patient kind perspective and it wasn't easy because I um I didn't really know what how to be loved by God so I think the walkout was was tough because of the fact that I wasn't very close with my father okay um it's just a lot of things going on in our family. We didn't have the Christian foundation of love. You know, we were just kind of spread out and distant from each other, my entire family. Um, so the, love, the deep love of a father was kind of a foreign aspect for me, mm-hmm. you know. And so walking out from a dark place with Jesus and accepting or understanding or appreciating the love that he has for me in that walk out, was it, it was hard. I was... I was I didn't want to be around darkness, right? And I wanted to walk towards light, but I still wasn't appreciating who God was at that point. You know, I didn't have a full-fledged relationship, and I'm like, oh, God's so great. You know, this is great. He's walking me out of this place. It was Mm -hmm. like, well, I don't want to be there. What do I have to do to get out? (laughs) Yeah. And so a lot of my walk... I did feel light and I felt love in increments, but a lot of my war- walk was, I fell into a workspace, you know, a workspace walk um, for a little while, just trying to do things that were right, but not, not appreciating or doing them for love, right? Not doing them for love. I, I, I learned a lot about God. Um, I had the Holy Spirit in me. And I'm walking out, but it just, it took me a while to learn how to live in the tree of life rather than the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, So that night in Montana, I don't know if you're still in Montana or not, uh, where the guy came 
went into his room, came back out, put the thing in your hand. You felt a presence take up residence, yep. essentially. What did you do to address that? Nothing. Not a single thing. Like that moment in the dark? No. After. I mean, so as you're oh. walking out, I mean, the, the, the walk out, you, you got God who has poured the Holy Spirit into you as well. Yeah. Um, but to whatever degree, it sounds like you gave consent or permission yeah. for demons to take up residence in you. So much so that stuff is manifesting in your room. I mean, you're seeing stuff. It's it's there. It's telling you your family. It's downloading stuff to you that doesn't get downloaded. Yeah. So there's a there's a process of closing the door, canceling permission, and ejecting them. That is throughout Scripture of, of yeah. casting demons, casting demons out. Yep. Is what we're talking about, really. Yeah. Did you do that? No, not right away. No. Um, there's a lot of... Okay. Um, no, I didn't do that right away. I didn't cast demons. I didn't even think I had the authority at that point to even mess with any of that stuff. My walk with my 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 walk out of that with God was a walk out, but I still wasn't standing on authority against the enemy, right? Yeah. It was, how do I just get a relationship with you? How do I get back to love? How do I get innocence back enough? You know, how do I get forgiveness of my sins? The casting out of demons and finding freedom from that didn't come until after my realization of his love, until after I put scripture in my heart and realized that it was a sword, right, that God had given us. He gave us himself. He gave us light. So when we put that in our heart and we use it, we proclaim it, um, freedom starts to happen because you can stand up against these things and you know you the power that they have once you realize what God gives you. I mean Luke ten nineteen, he gives you, you know, all power and authority, you know, over all the power of the enemy. He gives you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. When you put that in your heart and realize that all of that was what he was talking about, then you learn to start to walk in freedom. And freedom is a whole nother deal, right? There's a relationship with God. There's building up to that point. And you could proclaim the blood of Christ, but what you have afterwards is a whole lot of neural pathways, a whole lot of trauma, a whole lot of things that I went through that you don't just clear the house by casting off a demon, right? Or casting them out without addressing the root of the issue might my thoughts. Because if you do that, you know, Jesus tells us you sweep a house clean, seven more will come back, right? And so uh worse than worse than the one you cast out. And so there there was a process I went through to freedom, which was talking about my experience. You know, I went through a, a church base group where I got to address these things in layers from my past. And as I did uh, I have been able to apply the blood of Christ and stand on that authority and just proclaim it over every single one of those situations and readdress it. If I were to have this conversation with you a year and a half, two years ago, 
I wouldn't be able to get through it. I would I'd be trying to serve up these memories and I'd automatically have something attached to me, either blocking it out or I'd, I'd have mm. fear pop up, right? Yeah. Um, so I've, I've had to address these memories, these doorways, these open doorways, and put the blood of Christ on them and, and just continue to walk out in freedom that way too. So you've done... You have done deliverance. It didn't happen right away, but I mean, as far as a a, a process of, and and I'd be interested in what process you experienced. You know, I just wonder what your, if you had a, a time of deliverance where you, um, where you had someone lead you through it, or you walked through it yourself, where you directly addressed demonic presences that had taken up residence in you and um, ejected yeah. them. Yeah. Um, tried to do a little bit on my own. Um, had probably minor success. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I went through a freedom program at my church. Mm -hmm. um, amazing thing about that is that as long as long as you're walking with Christ, trying to live righteously, right? Um, and just addressing the things from your past and applying the blood of Christ to it, you're, you're going to find deliverance and healing. Um, I think the theology can get a little... Casting out demons can be... Um, tricky sometimes because a lot of people will go around trying to do it without addressing the core issue right mm -hmm. um they see a demon they might have some spiritual discernment there and then they just walk up and you know they're trying to cast it out but the person that they're casting it out of isn't ready for repentance mm -hmm. right they're not yeah. they're they haven't addressed anything of the trauma that's for the doorway and the attachment and they're receiving deliverance and 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 just making the situation worse. So my walk was not like that. I went through a wonderful church, Church of the Highlands. Yeah. We'll name drop here because they're a wonderful <laughs> church. Yeah, that's good. They have a wonderful program. Um, but it's it, they don't approach deliverance from this crazy perspective of thinking that it's some spectacle or show. They understand the root core and the heart of the issue. Mm -hmm. I went through it. And through that program, I received a lot of deliverance and I didn't even know it. Yeah. Right? I, I pop out the other end of it and I'm feeling better. There's still some stuff, but I address the first layer. And then on my own, I learned how to walk in freedom afterwards by putting the blood of Christ, allowing him to work on me, you know, just staying open like this and being like, God, I need open heart surgery. What else do I need to address? Mm -hmm. and so in various seasons, he's serving helping me address some things that are, you know, still in my subconscious and memories. And um, it's just a continuous uh, walk in freedom afterwards of just closing those doorways and with that, casting the demons out at the, the right proper time. So, Has God made his presence known to you in... Um, vivid ways since that time? 100, every day. Every day. Like what? Oh, man. 
I have, so I have, I got a prayer closet and I've got a whiteboard in my prayer closet with a list of miracles. I try to keep track of miracles that he does. Really? Yeah. Um, I love it when he does miracles. It can be little miracles or big miracles. Um, I have a active relationship with him now to where he talks to me in multiple ways, um, through visual, through hearing, through dreams, which is one of my new favorite ones, dream, dream interpretation. Um, he speaks a lot to me about my future through dreams, and it's just been amazing. So it is a a very wonderful relationship to where he is. I allow him to be in front of me in every conversation, my work, um, church, obviously, my home. Can you describe that? I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you talk about um, you got a list of miracles. Yep. You know, I, I don't know. Is it, are they profound miracles or is, it, or is this like, you know, I lost my keys and I prayed and they, they showed up. I mean, I mean, that's, that could be certainly the hand of God too, but you're talking about miracles, you're yeah. talking about dreams and interpretations of dreams, which are gifts of the spirit and which is something that a non-Christian would say, I'm calling BS on that. I don't yeah. believe you. Sure. Do you have examples? Yeah. Uh, of what? The dreams or the miracles? Give me, a, g- give me a miracle, a couple of miracles. <laughs> anyway, whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, and and I, I'd like examples of them. I, I, yeah. I, I think if somebody's listening to this right now, they're saying, like what? Sure. Tell me some of those. I want to yeah. know. He does, he does little, so I'll, some of the little miracles and little happenstances, I even write those down too, like, I remember gassing up my car one time and I'm just realizing in this, I'm in this season of, I just came out of some, you know, persecution for being a Christian, just some, you know, rough stuff of, of, you know, bad languages and bad experiences. And I'm just sitting there realizing, God, if we don't realize what it's like to be persecuted as Christians or actually go through seasons where we have to experience that, then how are, how are we ever supposed to successfully uh, proclaim the gospel, right? I think we all need to go through that. And when I had that realization, I walk into the store and I buy a few things. And when I'm done paying at the counter, the total is $7.77, right? This $7.77 and sevens has been um, popping up all over, you know, when God's trying to acknowledge me and uh, show me miracles. Um, one of my most favorite miracles is when I just, I was in my house, I was really spiritually, I was weak. Um, I was going through a season to where God was just breaking me down and building me back up. And mm-hmm. I just remember the scripture, you know, in my, um, in my weakness, your strength is made perfect, right? And I just, I woke up and it was storming outside and I just felt really bad. I felt like the storm was associated with something bad. I felt internally bad and weak. And I was just like, God, the, the day before I was praying for a miracle, I was like, can you just allow me to be a part of any sort of miracle, right? Mm. And so I felt a voice inside me say, go pray the storm away, you know? So I walked out my front door, shut the door. I got on my knees and I started praying in tongues. And I started just praying and I rebuked, uh, I wreaked the storm and it went away. The sun came out in the storm. I mean, this is full on lightning, thunder, heavy rain, super heavy rain. 
And I just remember <laughs> the sun came out immediately and the clouds dissipated within a matter of like a minute. <laughs> and I go inside and I, uh, it's still one of my favorite miracles because I still have doubts and disbelief about what God allows us to be a part of. Mm -hmm. I just go in my house and I'm, I start freaking out because it's like, there's no way God allowed me to become a part of that or do that. Right. And, um, I just go back outside and it's sunny. The birds are out. There's not a cloud in the sky. And I'm just kind of wondering, you know, I was excited that he let me be a part of that. And I went and just told a lot of people at that point, but it was still one of those most amazing miracles to where you're like, do I even tell people about this? <laughs> and so, yeah, that was one of the most amazing That's miracles. Cool. Beside my walk out of, you know, what he walked me out of. So, and then dreams have just started within the last uh, four months. I've always had dreams. But I just remember watching a video about dream interpretation. And I took a step forward and started learning about it. And then God brought it to my attention that I've always had dreams. Um, but now that I write them down and learn the symbolism symbolism behind them, he has started talking to me full force about my dreams and just giving them to me. And for the last three or four months, I've had probably about 40 dreams that I've got in a notebook that all I've interpreted a lot of them, most of them, but. So you have, so how's that process work? You having a dream that's a vivid of what you remember it when you wake up or whatever that, um, and then you begin an exploration of that dream and, and an interpretation is given to you in your spirit. How's it work? Sometimes, um, pray scripture over it for, you know, interpretation, um, Isaiah 11 for the wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and fear of the Lord, sevenfold spirit of God just for interpretation, understanding them. It's, dream interpretation can get a little, if you're not careful, and if you don't walk um, carefully in it, you can go right down a dream and it could be of the wrong source, right? And you can get too much into the symbolism and you can leave the Holy Spirit out of it, come to wrong conclusions, bad theology. Um, I think, you know, some people stay away from it for that reason, but... God says, you know, in the last days, he'll pour out a spirit and mm -hmm. we'll, we will dream and have visions. And even our pastor of our church started our church on a vision and he just got in his car in obedience and went. And so if we're taking advantage, thousands and thousands of people over multiple campuses are taking advantage or of the blessing that came from a single vision from God through our pastor, God spoke and he acted it out. Now we're, we're in that system then we need to pay attention to visions and dreams because God is speaking through them. And if we dismiss them, then we're dismissing the very church that we're, we're a part of and the blessings that come from it. So when I receive them, there's a process I go through. Um, I don't have to frantically wake up and write it down. If God wants me to remember it, he will make sure it's at the forefront of my memory when I wake up. It'll be something that sticks with me. The Holy Spirit will reaffirm it, and I'll have the important parts that I need to go write down. At that point, I'll go write it down, and then I have a dream interpretation book that's fully Bible-based, scriptural-based, and I'll start look. I'll start identifying the symbols, 
identifying with them scripture of what the possibilities of these things in the dream can be. And then I will pray on it. And then I'll get reaffirmation through conversations with other Holy Spirited people on, you know, um, what I'm going through. And and God just kind of comes through and, and helps helps me understand it. Um, so it is a Holy Spirited discernment where it's just, it's that aha moment, you know. Um, it's hard to explain dream interpretation. I've never been asked that before. But it'll just... The Holy Spirit will reaffirm it, and it makes sense. There's a varying degrees of faith. I find it interesting when uh, people became Jesus followers, disciples of him after the ascension. There was a, he told the first disciples to stick around. Jerusalem Mm -hmm. because the helper was coming Holy Spirit and so they did they kind of locked themselves a little bit in a room and um, and in Acts 2 we hear of their baptism in the Holy Spirit they began to speak in tongues and do other things and the boldness that came forth from that group forward launched Christianity and um and so you talk about the walkout. You talk about the realization there was God, a washing, overwhelming love, peace, then the walkout. Mm-hmm. And in pieces of that, there's been deliverance and other things. But a second ago, and, and you're, you're talking about dreams and visions now. You're talking about um, miracles you're involved in through prayer, which is awesome. You talked when you went out and prayed around that storm, you spoke in tongues. Those are signs or indications of a, of beyond just um, knowing that God is real, but a, what's known as a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Was there a, an event that took place that or over a certain amount of time where you went from following Jesus baptized to following Jesus baptized and now baptized in the Holy Spirit? Hmm. It's a good question. You mean actually receiving the baptism, gifts, practicing gifts and all that, and just... Because I've had conversations with people that had God was revealing things about his nature and his power began doing that. And and people would approach and say, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Be like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know? Sure. And, and, and like walk them through it or it, it sort of revealed this to them and then they went through a process and, you know, Man. Tongues may have accompanied it. It may have accompanied it that day. Yeah. It may have come two years later. Yeah. Um, but there was a time where there was an awakening of this baptism of the Holy Spirit where you began to see gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. Um, man, good question. You just, for me, um, your walk, my walk turned into... 
question. I don't think there's a single turning point. Um, I started going to small groups and I started learning more about scripture and the Bible and, and just God and our access to blessings, right? Our access to gifts, our access to the Holy Spirit, to the keys to heaven. It's in us, right? When you start to shed or get rid of those doubtful parts of yourself and you start just doing this and allowing God to to teach you and show you things, mm-hmm. actually God. And he's like, you can ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit every day, Dan. You know, you can ask for these things, you know, um, his mercies anew every morning. So I wake up and I just practice a little more. It's kind of like this book, Atomic Habits with God. Um, it teaches you how to just do 1% better every day, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually over the span of a year, you're doing a whole lot better, 365% better, technically, if you're sticking to it, right? Yeah. And so my walk was like that. I I had quiet times, but I was still idolizing other things during quiet times. And then it turned into, okay, I need to show up at a certain time, meet God at a certain time, and, he'll, and he was meeting me. We got more serious about it. I got a prayer closet. I was going to small groups. I was learning about you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, different gifts that we can receive, and I was interested in receiving them. So I got my prayer closet. I started out with just my door shut because he tells us to do that. And I just started having a conversation with him and his manifested presence in that closet. It was a turning point of a relationship for me with him just because when you shut the entire world out and go have a one-on-one conversation with him, um, the relationship just gets insanely better. And, and you learn you learn to receive better, and so it just ends up being a foundation of you know him talking to you, and you re, you just being in a relationship with him, and he'll teach you a little more. And as you learn to let go of parts of yourself and all these doubts, and you're just pressing towards the throne at that point, right? That's so important. This is really neat. <laughs> I love this conversation. There are people that I've talked to who have had moments in their life where it happened. There was a moment, baptizing the Holy Spirit, that they went, bam, and they were talking in tongues, and they had received, began receiving dreams, or I've seen that, I've heard that. It's in Scripture, it's Paul on the road to Damascus, right? It's it's an event that took place. But with you, and probably I, I would have to confess with me and with others, there's an awakening to the truth of the power of the Holy Spirit available to us wow. in our life Yeah, that we access in large part, in my view, by shedding the doubt or lack of faith yes. or maybe it's even religious tradition yes. that prevents us from embracing the scriptural teachings of the power of the Holy Spirit yeah. where you would walk outside and pray away a storm because you believe God told you to do it. Walk outside, pray, 
speaking to, did you make up the tongues or, or did that just roll through you? I felt they were stupid at first. I feel like I should be, I was led to, I have always, tongues are weird. Yeah. Uh, the first time you, you let the Holy Spirit bellow up inside you and something starts to come out, immediate cutoff. So I had to develop that even in, even in that, because when you start speaking tongues fluently, fluidly, and just let it come out, there's a part of your brain in your ears that receive that and you go, this is weird. This feels stupid. Um, that was my experience at least. Yeah. And so I cut myself off. I'm like, am I even doing this right? Like, this doesn't <laughs> sound like other people. Yeah. Um, and he just kept encouraging me to do it. So just in that process alone, when you have tongues, you're, you're praying in tongues, right? And you just, this weird noise is coming out of you. Letting go of the steering wheel and letting God just keep coming out of you and speaking and praying is, it's a process. Yeah. So that's it, with anything. Yeah. But you on that porch that day cast aside everything, unbelief yep. and tradition and what makes sense. Yeah. This is a thunderstorm. I was weak. It's going to run its course. Oh, yeah, yeah. You didn't get it because you were some spiritual super superman at yeah. the time. <clears throat> yeah. Which is awesome. But shedding the tradition, and, and maybe it's shedding the pride that restricts us from stepping out in faith yeah I, I, it could be pride that's an important thing for people who are identify as christian now that may not be in a place of uh, experiencing the gifts of the spirit yeah that i believe god promises us I don't know that we all have all of them. I mean, there's places where it talks about each one has his gift. Yeah, um, different parts <clears> of the, <throat> different parts of the body, right? That's right. But he also talks about, and Paul Paul is describing both of these in in his letters. Um, but he also talks about asking for higher gifts, and so yeah, um, eventually getting to prophecy and prophetic words, which builds up the church. Um, but there are a lot of people going in and out of churches every Sunday, tithing and doing all the things they're doing who do not experience the gifts of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And it's, I, I think it's a, I personally view it as a self-imposed restriction that yeah. we um, <clears throat> haven't shed lack of faith. We haven't shed doubt. We haven't shed yeah. tradition or pride. And... I believe that when we approach faith with a little more abandon mm -hmm. rather than control, yeah. it's kind of like the childlike faith, yeah. um, that we begin to experience those things. I think yeah. our faith gets built when we go on the porch and pray and a storm goes away. Yeah, 100. You know, or, or, or my wife has... Um, a, an injury and a ligament and we pray in faith for it yeah and it doesn't go away but then we do it again and then we do it again and then one day we do it again and it's gone and it's like what 
there is there a, a Holy Spirit? Are there gifts of the Spirit? Can I pray healing? Can I? And I think God would say, yeah, can. you can. <laughs> you just got to shed some of the restrictions that you've bound yourself with. Absolutely. And I ask you the question, did you receive a baptism in the Holy Spirit? And the answer, I think, for, that you would say is yes. It just didn't happen in a five-minute window. Mm-hmm. It happened as you began to practice, put your faith into practice Yeah. over time. Yep. But whichever way it is, you are still experiencing what you recognize as gifts of the Spirit. You're having dreams yeah. that you are interpreting now. Yeah. You, you prayed away a, a thunderstorm. God did it right through you. And I think that's from apparently you've got this book where you list all the th- these uh, a lot of these things. And I think that's good because I think it <clears throat> it's a reminder. Yeah. When your faith gets a little weak, it's like, hey, why don't you go open that book? And remember, oh yeah, mm-hmm. and it rebuilds your faith. I I need you to do that, something for me here. Yeah, as best you can. I would like for you to try to contrast, compare, contrast. Dark Dan. Now Dan. Dark Dan, light Dan, dead Dan, alive Dan. Blind Dan. Okay. Vision Dan. I was... Lost kid. Highly intelligent. Searching for love in the wrong places. And now I am... Child of God. I mean, I am, my identity is in Christ. I love to say that because looking back at Dark Dan and and all that, there's only one place I was heading to, right? And the unfailing love of God met me in that place. And Light Dan is a Dan who is free from addiction, free from just mental prison, um, free from death. I just, I have an amazing relationship with a God who continues to show up for me. And um, I'm just so extremely grateful. Dark Dan would have made fun of Light Dan. He's the guy who was making fun of where I'm at now. So it's a very amazing transition. So how do you tell the dark Dan's of the world about the light version of them that makes it stand, makes them stand at attention and say, I want that rather than look at that idiot. I tell them I love them. Anything other than that, without a conversation, you know, you just don't know, but you just tell them you just love them. That's it. I wouldn't have been from this position. I wouldn't have been able to say something golden to my former self to get me to to turn from that path. Maybe you know I could have grown up in a better household, maybe a foundation with Christ, gotten saved younger, but that didn't happen. And so 
I would just say as a Christian that we're all here for the dark dance, right? We're all here for for them, for when they're ready to turn their hearts for God. And that we, you know, I pray that they get to come to heaven with us. Yeah. I asked myself that question. So I gotta ask I can ask these questions of others all the time and that, but I have to ask myself the same questions. What what do I say to Dark Stacy or somebody like that? I think the things that I have said is I have been where you are. And I have found the source of life. I have found the source of true inner peace. And it's, it's, not a, it's not something that's silly and unreal, but it's the most real thing I think I've ever experienced. And I've been there, and I've been here. I thought the source of my happiness, joy, fulfillment Man. would come through the pleasures that the world offered. Man. And even at its peak, that pales in comparison to what I live and experience every day now. And so there's the source of true life, true, true joy, true fulfillment that I'll be honest with you, turns out has power behind it far greater than I could ever imagine. And um, that offers a hope that doesn't end when my earthly life stops. And I got nothing to gain other than the joy of knowing that you can you see that same source and mm-hmm. encounter it and and live in it. That's it. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I wonder how you experienced that and in, in comparing and contrasting and then how you would present something to somebody that when you when know. you first asked that yeah i mean a big part of my walk too is the the great commission right i think we can all grow in the gifts and everything but if we don't get out there and use them we um that's a big thing that came to my mind what do we do with the dark dance how do we get them to know that there is a loving god who loves them who wants their souls to be saved how do you fight through all the strongholds that they're dealing with to understand who Christ is, how how he died on the cross for our sins? How do you get them to that point? And um, I'm heavy into apologetics, evangelism, and just um, I'm, I'm big into street evangelism, you know, mm-hmm. and just coming across you know a lot of the public and hard cases and just different cases and how to handle them. Yeah, but you, I think you got it right. The first words out of your mouth is you love them. You tell them you love them. Yeah. I think that's the thing that conquers it all. Doesn't, I mean, not to sound too hippie-ish or whatever, but isn't that the answer? Yeah. I mean, can it get to a point where you're you're so pulling for them? You're so on their team. You're not trying to beat them in a, you know, a, 
apologetics debate. I mean, you want to know that to, to be able to have conversations. Absolutely. But ultimately, it's about love. It is. And they're in dark places and they're in rough places and they're mocking you. And even though, even though they're mocking you, you just like keep coming back to the yeah. point where they say, why are you doing this? What's in it for you? Are you getting commissions or something? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. People did it for me. Yeah. But, right. but it's because there is, a, there is a love inside of us that is so overflowing yeah. that it pours outward in into you. So what do I, how am I doing this? Because I want great things for you. I want such good for you with no expectation of return for me. Yeah. And people don't get it. And I think, I think the fact that they can't grasp that is probably the biggest <laughs> weapon for Christianity is inexplicable love for other people in a world that says you need to go out and get it for yourself, even yeah. if you have to step on a few people to do it. Yep. It's a counterintuitive way it works. The author of life in this book describes how he designed it to work, and yeah. it is counterintuitive to everything the world tells you is, is how it works. Sounds so twisted, hasn't it? <laughs> and when you pour out that love, to others, I think it's the greatest thing. I think you said it right. I mean, I'm going in a lot of different directions with it, but no, yeah. Ultimately, it's, it's like you demonstrate love to them. Yeah. Now, how that love comes out in different ways based on conversations is, you know, where all that other stuff comes into play. But yeah, you're right. Just um, when you love God and you receive and accept His love, and we're commanded to go out and love others, how can you not help but to go out and love others and let that flow through you into other people? You talked about it a little bit earlier, um, but I, I like to know details and specifics because I, I like to, I know what I do. I want to know what other people do. And I, I think listeners and viewers like to hear how it works for others. H how do you connect to God now? Yeah, that's, that's a massive question. Um, I, I pray without ceasing. Um, Make him at the forefront, like I was saying earlier, at the forefront of everything. When you wake up, I will still catch myself in the, you know, my sinful flesh wanting to do other things, like reach for my cell phone or think about other things. And I, I, I get better at cutting myself off from the distraction of not making God the focal point of every day, the first part of every day, feeding my spirit every day. And I'm not perfect at it. We all have rough days and sometimes we, you know, we fall, but. For the most part, I just keep getting back up, um, understanding that he is there. We don't. I understand that I don't have shame, you know, and I just get in that prayer closet. I get into the word and I actively strive for uh, being better in all areas, whether it's praying, my habits, my reading, spending time with him, um, sacrificing the fleshly parts of myself. Um, so that I can humble myself enough to hear his voice because he's always speaking. And so when you learn what fear of the Lord is over everything and everything else from that sevenfold spirit comes and wisdom especially, right? And so I have I've gotten good at humbling myself. Um, 
I have a, I'm a, I'm a very, I don't know if this is getting off topic or not, but I'm a very, I joke a lot. My natural personality and my, my, my flesh is to just talk and be actively talking and always doing and engaging in things. But somewhere along the way, I get too prideful of myself, too full of myself and not of God. And so I'm learning as I mature, if I want to have an active relationship with him and have conversations with him every day, it's less of me and more of him. And what does that take? Which is essentially making him the first part of my day, learning what actual um, submission is to him, receiving his voice and hearing from him, and then walking in obedience after he talks to me on what he tells me. It's an active relationship. So That is fantastic. That is fantastic. <laughs> what an answer to a, a critical question, um, and uh, what an example. It's, you can feel uh, sort of a, a, a level of intimacy between you and him. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. um, the, there's, there's the whole knowing about God and doing the things, and then there is knowing God, knowing who sure. you are relative to Him as well, and um, you know Him. <laughs> You're not going to be one of those guys that's like, "Hey, I did all the things," and He says, "I never knew you." It's just very obvious um, that you have. That, that's the thing that I think a lot of non-believers they have a hard time with. They think we've sort of got an imaginary friend, and uh, they don't yeah. understand relationship. Yeah. It, it truly is. It, it, it is not subscribing to a doctrine. It is a relationship with a living yeah. person. Yes. He's a tree of life. He's, a, he's, a, he's alive. He's very alive. Um, but yeah, you're right. I don't know how, to, how else to describe it. He's, uh, he's not only alive in an active relationship, but he's for us too. Um, he has, since I've come to Christ and my relationship with him, my mom came to Christ about two years ago. She got saved in front of me at a church. He has put his hand so remarkably on my family um, that I can't help but, but love him. Um, he's literally saving actively, just doing things for my family right now that are so incredible. We were spread out all over the country. And since I have just been active in prayer and allowing my to, to sow seeds, right? To sow on earth and in heaven and, and just watch them work through those prayers, my, my, my fervent prayers in this relationship. He's been answering them. My, my family was spread out. None of us knew how to be a family. And all of a sudden I'm praying for my family and my mom. She gets saved. We have a Christmas, two Christmases ago last Christmas at my house and God, I was like, God, if there's anything, my family hasn't been together in over 15 years together, bring us together. They came to my house. They saw the Christmas. They saw what God had done in my life. You know, they got to watch me play on the worship team, you know, up, and it was just amazing. And God touched them in such a way that they all went and sold everything they had and they moved here. So my parents live an hour away in Mississippi, just bought a house. 
My sister is in a wonderful program where she is, she actually, she got saved when she was 16 in a youth group. And she walked into our house when, a long time ago and said, I got saved. I know Jesus. And my family said, shut up. Essentially, you're, you know, you're an idiot, mm-hmm. essentially. And none of us believed her. And now my sister is so on fire for the Lord right now. And she's just reignited her walk and walking with him. That God has just put his hand all over my family and brought us back together. And we're healing, sanctified, being sanctified, you know. But we're addressing things that we never addressed. And he did it all, man. Started with me in a very, very dark place in a slow walk out. And he has just spread throughout my family and their promises are all over that. So I'm super happy. I mean, it's a great relationship with God. That is amazing. You can just feel it. <laughs> it's so, God, that's so good. Um, He's moving, man. Do you have a, do you, do you, if you had like a, package up some sort of message to people do you have a message i got a message dan coffin have a message i got one message i was thinking about this before um before i came here and i just i know god uses um things like this to reach people and i don't know how he does it but i just if i had one message for anybody it's that i've um if you're in a dark place and you've you just want who you were back or you feel like you've lost your innocence or you've been taken advantage of and maybe this spreads some light on maybe what you're going through if you're in a hotel room or wherever you are um, I just want to let you know that I, I feel you I feel where you're at you have don't lose hope in that um you have a God who loves you. And um all it takes is for you just to turn to him, ask him to come into your life and he'll meet you where you're at and help walk you out, um, like he did me. And his love is incredible. And he will bring that love and light back into your life. He'll help you regain that innocent just Feeling of a child, just he'll help restore you to be a normal human being again. And um, and to just reach out if you're in a place like I was, and you want to walk out, just reach out, however you can. Reach out to God. Reach out to to me, to anybody, right? Um, and we'll be there for you. That's it. Dan Kaufman. I just, uh, I don't know what to say. Just uh, the sincerity and the genuine presence of God in your life now and uh, is is really powerful and especially in contrast to um, where you came from, where he walked you out of. It's just, uh, it's just awesome. I, I, I can't thank you enough for hanging out with me and talking about this stuff. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I hope hearing Dan's story inspires you to draw nearer to God, knowing that no matter where you are in your faith, you've only scratched the surface 
of what is available to you as you invest more of your life and energy into knowing God. As Dan discovered and is continuing to discover, God's goodness, mercy, and love for you knows no limits. Thank you for joining us today on A Stronger Faith. We'd love to hear from you whether you have an idea for a guest or if you've been moved by what you've heard in one of our episodes. Please reach out to us at contact at astrongerfaith.org or visit our website contact page at astrongerfaith.org slash contact. Until next time, we pray for peace and a stronger faith for you and those you love.